Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back. We're going to have a great call for you guys today. A great call on what is really a scary topic. The topic is what to do when disaster strikes your market. This is a topic that Julie and I unfortunately find ourselves doing more often than we did, say, 10 years ago in the last five or six years. Maybe we're doing this, it seems like, a couple times a year, reminding all of you what to do when disaster strikes your particular market. You know, usually it's weather-related. Um, so, Pay attention. I'm going to start out by talk, telling you telling you all a story, and Julie has created a very precise list of actionable items for all of you to do. But I'm going to start out with a story because I think it will resonate with all of you and help you to realize the importance of paying attention to what we're telling you. Um, and this, unfortunately, this is going to be relevant to you. Maybe you don't have a hurricane that's threatening to, you know, decimate your market like they had, have in the Carolinas or. Maybe you're not out in Hawaii with all of our fantastic agents, Elite Pacific, who are you know dealing with the hur- or dealing with the hurricane. And oh, by the way, they also have a freaking volcano that's active too. So every market. Now let's say, for example, you're in the Midwest where Jules and I are from. You have horrible winters. They seem to be getting more horrible every single year. Um, this isn't a con- this is not a, a podcast about global warming or weather trends or anything like that. It's just facts, right? It does seem like the weather is getting a lot nastier, um, and it's catching a lot of people unprepared. And that's where you step in. So here's here's a little something, a, a tale from our coaching archives. We had a coaching client who um, he still does sells up in Big Bear. And Big Bear, for those of you who are outside of California, is this really beautiful sort of a mountain oasis, if you want to, you know, that's, it's really what it's like. It's this strange sort of, um, it's almost like you're living in the middle of the redwoods in Southern California. And so LA people and San Diego people, and, you know, generally speaking, those two groups of people, they always migrate towards Big Bear for mostly skiing, but also it provides lots of beautiful, um, you know, year round hikes and things of that nature. So it wasn't that long ago that Big Bear had a huge uh, was essentially threatened to be completely wiped out from fires. Um, the whole California region of Southern California, and of course now of late it's been sort of Central Coast and even working its way up as far as this fire problem they have in California. But this particular year it was surrounding Big Bear, and it was scarier than hell. It got it, they had forced evacuations, like even in the Carolinas right now. It is up to you whether or not you want to leave, even though, Julie, what they say the waves were outside the coast of Charleston, South Carolina? What did you tell me yesterday, oh, 80 freaking feet? Within the hurricane waters themselves, 85-foot waves. I mean, I can't even imagine that. It's just it's crazy. <sighs> and the storm surge and all of these things, and I know it's been downgraded a bit, but they are actually putting out warnings saying don't pay attention to that. Get while they get yeah. good anyway, you know? Yeah, well, so, yeah. but even in, even in the Carolinas – they're basically saying, you can stay if you want to, but you're kind of a dumbass if you do, and we're not going to necessarily be in there to save you because it turns out your houses that are built on the coast, even on stilts, 
probably the stilts aren't tall enough kind of thing. And they're putting all these original, you know, of course, politicians and weather people, they love the weather drama. <laughs> you know, that's one of their favorite things to talk about. But in this case, it seems like it definitely merits people's immediate action. And um, But it's optional. You know, it's the Carolinas. Hey, if you want to stay, ride it out. Yeah. Not in Big Bear. Not in this particular year. They force people to leave. That's something that very rarely happens because the houses were essentially going, you know, it was the the Fire departments from all over the country had flown in to uh, help with these fires in California, as has become sort of the ritual every year now, it seems. If you're ever, like when Julie and I were out in uh, the Big Sur area, um, it was a couple years ago, there were fires that were happening around Big Sur, and we would go to the Starbucks every morning, big surprise, right? (laughs) And um, there would be fire departments from not just the surrounding states, but from like the East Coast, from Florida. And it, it was pretty amazing, actually, the, the camaraderie and the organization that took to essentially battle the blazes there. You guys that live in that world, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's such a beautiful, serene, amazing place to live. But at the same time, you really are on the edge of some scary weather that happens all too frequently. So he's in Big Bear. These fires are surrounding his whole and complete market. He doesn't leave. His family leaves. All of his neighbors leave. He stays there. So his house, where it was located in Big Bear, I don't know if it was his main house or his second house or what the situation was, but it wasn't in the immediate risk zone of the fire. But the fires got so bad that they closed the roads going up to Big Bear and leaving Big Bear. So the only people that were in Big Bear was this realtor and a whole bunch of fire people, it seems. There were no reports coming out. There were This was this – was, um, this was not pre-internet, but the internet wasn't working because there was no connectivity up there. You get my, you guys get my point. This is during the the height of the the you know the blazes. This is when it was really bad. It was completely nobody knew it was happening. All you saw the, the the people surrounding it were just seeing these massive planes that were flying over the mountains to drop the you know the fire extinguisher and the water and all the rest of it. And they see you know parades of firefighters going up the mountain and coming back down. It was something like out of a World War II film. It was just something crazy. No, no report was coming up. Nobody knew whether or not the whole, you know, essentially the hamlet that was up there was completely decimated. All right, so then there was these reports that started uh, creeping out, coming out of this uh, horrible experience from this agent. And he was telling – what he was doing is – remember, he had mobility, and the, and the fire was basically um, – it was not encroaching in on a vast majority of the houses in this particular market. And so it got to the point where it was safe for him to travel about. And so that's what he started doing. And here's what he did that really blew everybody away. He started visiting not just his own centers of influence and past clients' houses and taking pictures. And then when it was able for him to get a word out email-wise, he was sending updates, letting people know that their house was fine. And he started doing this. This was before, if I remember correctly, Julie, this was before like Snapchat and Facebook and all that. So he was literally just sending emails. And so he was letting the community know that the community still stood. He was giving people a reason to be hopeful that their homes were saved. Um, and if I remember correctly, he also was participating in helping straight, you know, catch stray dogs and things like that. So he was actively there trying to really, you know, be be a a community, not just a community, you know, beacon, if you will, but somebody who was truly caring and trying to be of service to other people. You guys get, but at the same time, it was kind of risky if we're being honest. 
So what happened? Long term, he basically established himself because he was there being of service to people, helping people, giving information to people. He, was, he built such a stellar reputation for himself that to this day he, is still, he has become like the number one or two or three agent up there. And he had this, his business this, after this whole thing just went through the roof because people were so thankful. Now, I think that's a story that should motivate all of you to realize, even though hopefully you'll never be in a situation like that, you still have the opportunity to be a service like that. Where Julie and I used to live in Columbus, Ohio, we would get uh, you know, snow and nasty weather that was so bad that you literally couldn't sometimes open your front door, where you literally couldn't breathe outside. It was so cold. Not that often does this happen, but the, the, the nasty weather happened all the time. It was normal, and it still is normal to have to move snow all the time in the winter. Very rarely do you not have snow that's not associated with ice. So it's just kind of this worst-case situation. But if you, for example, are in a situation like that, like happened last year, where there was a blizzard that hit most of the Midwest, you could be the person that was – so he was there providing information, letting people know the community still stood. You could be the person that was now calling and emailing and posting on Facebook, giving your uh, community information on what they can do to prepare for the storm. So if you're in the Midwest, you could be telling people about – you know, you don't want to have branches that are hanging over your house if there's a, a storm that's coming, because once that storm, winter storm, gets, uh, that branch gets covered with ice and snow, that branch is going to fall on your house. So now you have a double problem because you have a huge hole in your roof during a huge nasty weather crisis. And if there's elderly people in your community, they are really freaked out because they don't know. You guys get the point. So when disaster strikes, and it, it, it strikes all of us in all of our markets, you know, I'm thinking about our friends in Hawaii, the situation they're dealing with, with a volcano. When you have situations like this, guys, there's so many different ways you can be of service that I really want you to see opportunities even in the worst-case scenarios in your marketplace. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast and probably to, uh, tomorrow's podcast as well. So, Julie, any announcements, or you just yeah. want to jump right to it? This is great no, we content. we can jump right I in. I was trying to remember – was it your big bear client or it might be somebody else I'm remembering that one of the things they did after uh, the fires came through was to take pictures of their past clients' homes that were like second homes to show them everything is okay or, yeah, you yeah. know, you've got this, this tree that's across your driveway. What, what was going on when they couldn't actually right. be there? So, I and think he, but, you know, there are a lot of place, ways to be a service. Go ahead. But he was also, not just for his past clients, Julia, um, he was also doing for that the for the people. community in general. Yeah, and but then what he was also including, and I I should have drilled down, which is Julie asking me to do now, is he would take pictures of where the storm damage was on people's properties, and then what he would also do is he'd give people information about who that they could call to you know fix the problem, right? If there was a an immediate problem, something that was going to cause further damage, maybe an electrical pole that might start a fire, you know, he would actually call the electric company and let them know. Um, or if it was just a, a tree that maybe was a little bit wonky and blocking a driveway, he would give them the number of three uh, tree companies that he knew or guys that he knew, you know, really, that had chainsaws that could be there as soon as people were allowed to back up to be back up on the mountain. So it wasn't just he was providing updates, he was providing a solution. Um, and that's that was the closing of the loop. So, Julie, sorry for not covering that detail. That's Good okay. Point, you know, that question. being a community advocate, essentially. <clears throat> so. Yeah. All right. Uh, point number one, stay calm and be and committed to being of service. Be the leader in your community, just like we were talking about in Big Bear. This must be your mindset when disaster strikes your area, not just being glued to the Weather Channel, to CNN, whatever. Stay calm and be committed to being of service. Point number two, 
put your own oxygen mask on first. What is your plan to deal with disaster? A go bag. I remember before we moved uh, out west, I didn't know what a go bag was. It was when we were uh, at our place in California, and the neighbor came out, <clears throat> excuse me, and he said, well, you do have your go bag ready to go, don't you? I'm like, what's that? So well, then he showed me hover there. what he had in there. Yeah. Let's hover there. That's yourself. an awesome idea. Okay, so, so let's talk about that. So that's an awesome idea. Um, in Laguna Beach, for example, there were always threats of fires and earthquakes and just all kinds of things. Again, Southern California stuff that you actually, believe it or not, get used to. Well, a go bag, you guys know, is, or maybe you don't know, essentially is a bag that you have packed ready for you to get the hell out. It's a go bag. And some people would have water, and they'd have maybe some uh, you know, painkillers and Band-Aids and all the rest of it. So here's a good idea that Julie's touching on. Right, exactly. Well, I knew some people had firearms and knives and things they could protect themselves on. Because unfortunately, you often, the biggest problem is if you wait too long to go, even if you have your go bag, you're going to be stuck in traffic on the way of getting the hell out. You know, these are real concerns in some parts of the country, guys, believe it or not. So um, you could do a seminar or uh, you could uh, literally have maybe a go bag instruction manual or some of you, if you can afford it and if it makes sense in your market, maybe your closing gift is a go bag or maybe your Christmas gift or your holiday gift is a go bag or at the very least – it's instructions on what should go in the go bag, and so that's a great idea for you guys to put together. Um, just Google it. We're not going to tell you what, you know, it's tons of information out there. People that sell done go bags, and uh, yeah, that's website something for this that people, type of thing. Yep, people, people would put this in there. That, you know, you, you should keep it in your car. You should keep it in your house, and there's supposed to be a go bag for every, including the pets, by the way. There's supposed to be yeah. a go bag for everybody that you're responsible for. So just FYI, that is a fantastic idea. Next point, Jules? Yes. So you guys can do more research on that yourselves. And I remember when we were living out west, there would be, about every quarter there would be a meeting for the community called the Disaster Preparedness Meeting, which would be a great thing to attend and participate in, right? And, you know, expand your center of influence by being of service that way. But the, the overall point is you're not going to be able to help anybody in your community if you yourself are freaking out or ill-prepared. So related to that, point number three, have a list of evacuation details. Share with your past client center of influence database. Hard copy is the best since the internet and phones often go down in these things. It's a great door knocking leave behind. You could even use them in open houses. Again, being of service. So a list of what to do should this occur. So where do you go if there's a threat to your area? Hurricane shelters, fire paths, evacuation centers, Hospital phone numbers, local contact organizations, Red Cross, what is the plan for your area? Make sure you yourself know it, and then you can use this as great informational leave-behinds and lots of different ways you can do that. Point number four, excuse me, create a local Facebook page. You could call it We Survived Hurricane Florence or We Survived the Earthquake of San Juan Capistrano. Whatever makes sense. We Survived the Volcano if you're in Hawaii. Know how to create a page quickly so people can access critical details. Even if it's down at their house, they might have their smartphone with them and be able to get onto that Facebook page by easily searching that. Be able to connect with the community and their families easily via their cell phones. You know, create something like that where you can be the hub. And then, again, you can post all the details of evacuation centers and things like that. Pet rescue, 
all of the things that come out in these types of situations. So point number five, dedicate the days and weeks after the disaster to urgent caring outreach. This applies to your family, your past clients, your neighbors, anybody you can help. Think of the big bear story. Be the one who cares and be committed to doing what it takes. Phone calls are the most efficient, but again, phones might be down for a while. So load your car up with water and cookies or Subway sandwiches and make your rounds. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? No, I've had a lot I of think, clients go you know, through this stuff, so lots of stories well, collide in my head. But it, apply, it applies to everyone. But, you know, I have, to, I have to think that most of the country, when they hear us talking about go bags and, you know, fires <laughs> on the horizon. <laughs> and I mean, with Julie and I were growing up – we. We've been married in uh, on the 15th of this month. Julie and I have been married for 27 years. And we spent a vast majority of those in places where your only bad weather was a muggy day or a lot of snow in the winter. I mean, that was really all you had to worry about. There were no earthquakes. There were no fires. There were no mountain lions. <laughs> there were no bears. There were no mm-hmm. packs of coyotes. There were, and so, you know, it's, it's fascinating as Julie and I have lived in different parts of the country now. Um, and, of course, we have coaching clients in every state. I mean, we've had literally tens of thousands of coaching clients the past 20-plus years. As we've gotten to know the things that you, all of you have uh, come to accept as normal in your lives are things that people in the Midwest <laughs> – that's the reason I'm kind of laughing because I'm just mm-hmm. imagining people back in you know, Columbus, Ohio, listening to us talk about Hawaii having to deal with – you know, okay, on today's news, you are going to be hit by a, you know, hurricane force strength, whatever, you know, and the hurricane's called, I'm going to mess you up, you know, whatever the name of it is, you know. (laughs) They always give it these nice little old lady names, but this one's actually being called, you know, it's being given like a, it's being given like a thug street name, you know. Yeah. And at the same, at the same time, by the way, not, yeah, maybe an hour drive from you, there's also a a volcano that's happening that's, you know, spewing fireballs at your car. Yeah, exactly. So so if you're out driving around and you smell something weird, it's probably some noxious odor that'll probably shave 15 years off the li- off your life. Of course, that's if yeah. you know Florence Sorry. doesn't kill you first. I mean, it, but it's normal. And you live in markets like that, and people just sort of like, uh, oh, normalized. Mm-hmm. California. I remember when Julie and I spending more and more time in California. This was forever ago. Uh, the first time we experienced an earthquake, it was like, what the hell was that? It sounded like a truck hit the building. Da-doom! You know, I remember I was at a coaching went, call, and that's exactly what my first thought was, is that something had hit truck the hit. building. Right. And weird. so we go out, and our neighbor's like, oh, no, that's just a blah, blah, blah earthquake. It's when the earth does this and the other thing, and they just went on their merry business. They didn't even notice. You know, <laughs> the things that people normalize are insane. But anyway, that's that's an aside. It just made me yep. laugh. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> anyway, yep. next point. I know. Yep. Okay, so when you point number six, when you do your outreach, provide a list of your recommended service providers. Again, a hard copy is best. This should include things like repair people, roofers, carpenters, insurance company, quick contact numbers, FEMA, Red Cross, emergency pet rescue. If you can get discounts from your own service providers who do like your um, you know repairs on your inspection items, see if they'll pass along to your own past clients and neighbors. You know you're also giving business to them. But uh, try and get any discounts or coupons going. Help people out in their time of need. You're helping the service people, again, as well, to get business to them. But, you know, have like a, a little a card or a flyer or something that you've put together of, you know, who do you call if your basement floods and you need mold mitigation? You probably know this from having to deal with it in inspections, right? So probably this isn't going to be that much work because you already know who all these people are. Point number seven. 
After things settle, do a second round of communication to be sure everyone is now okay and continue to be of service as we previously mentioned. Great opportunity for you to use the Ford uh, script slash memory jogger, family, occupation, recreation, dreams. You use that to reconnect. How did your family fare in Hurricane Florence? You know, are you guys all rebuilt after the water is left? Just be of service. Ask about the family. How's their job? All that good stuff. So reconnect a second time. And point number eight, always ask, who else do you know who could use my help? Do this throughout the process. Don't worry about when do you plan on, move, on moving. That's tacky. Okay, we're not using that script. It's who else do you know who could use my help? They'll remember that you were there during stressful times. And referrals will come, but you don't have to ask for them directly. Don't be an ambulance chaser type. This is important work to take seriously. If you are not helping, somebody else is, but be the one that everyone knows they can count on. Really goes a long way. You know, speaking of trees and storms and things like this, <clears throat> um, one of our rentals nearly escaped a fallen tree not too long ago. And our tenant was saying how impressed she was that the neighbors came out. She said as soon as the, the tree crash happened, there were like five neighbors that descended upon this big tree that fell over her driveway with chainsaws so that she could get to work in the morning. I, I mean, that kind of like immediate, urgent outreach, she was just so beside herself that they were on top of it and there to be of service and to help out. I think that's pretty awesome when you can do that. But again, you can only do it when you've taken care of yourself first and you're not scrambling personally. Um, you know, you can put on your own. Most of you guys have business Facebook pages, your websites. You can post places to donate and what to do, you know, when you have to, say, evacuate. You can, you can put up links to the American Red Cross, the Salvation Army, maybe a charity that you work with. I know when we had Harvey last year um, come through Texas, our next-door neighbor was very, um, very involved through her church going to different organizations and collecting clothing and food. And, you know, it was like every day I got an email from her what they needed. They need more water. They need flashlights. They need batteries. So, <laughs> excuse me, you can be very proactive with the things that you already have set up. So anything you want to add to this, Tim? I mean, we threw a lot at them today, but – I think it's no, timely. I mean, we're going to post these notes, um, and there's, you know, Julie, Julie's going to, in these notes, is going to be posted on uh, timandjulieharris.com. If you're on iTunes, uh, just hop over to timandjulieharris.com, and you can download these notes. She's also included a lot of links to the different charities you can associate yourself with. There's a, when there's a disaster of any variety, there's so many different ways that you can help. The thing that you must see yourself as, as a leader, that's really what a real estate, a true real estate professional is. You have to be a leader. You have to be the person that doesn't just shrink and hide and pray for the best and don't do anything and someone's going to bail my ass out. Don't act like everyone else acts. You've got to be the person that steps into the breach. Look, some of you are going to be able to do it physically. Some of you are going to be able to go out there and move branches, and some of you are going to be able to go out there and, you know, when the, Julie mentioned the, the hurricane that, uh, you know, wiped out a lot of Houston, you know, we participated, a lot of our neighbors participated, a lot of you participated, donations, hauling stuff, all that type of thing. If you can't physically do that type of labor, that's fine. Do it like what we're describing. Pick up the phone, start making phone calls, offer to be of service with providing people that can help them with their, with their problems. Because understand that when there's an opportunity to be of service like that, most people freak out. You probably, if you're being honest with you, your behavior is probably just to freak out, to do nothing, to sit around and watch CNN. 
or some huge waste of time like that. Instead, what you should do is you should say, this is an opportunity to prove that I really do give a damn, and I'm going to fight against my own natural tendencies to you know, jump in my own uh, rabbit hole. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to be a hero for my community, even if it just means I'm going to be of service to 25 people or 50 people, even if I'm just going to be of service because I'm going to volunteer at the Humane Society. I, look, guys, there's things that happen, like, for example, when the fires hit Southern uh, California and San Diego. I keep on bringing up California because we have so many clients there. But when the fires hit San Diego, I remember um, there was a rush of people that couldn't find hotel rooms to stay in and up near L.A. And, I, you know, again, we were telling our clients, you guys got to figure out how to be of service. If you've got vacant homes, if you can rent them out, if you could figure out any other ways to help. Then we had other clients that were saying the big problem these guys have is they have pets. They have dogs and cats and birds and lizards mm-hmm. and whatever else they have. And those animals can't go with them to the hotels and whatnot. So then all the local uh, vets started to fill up. And so I had people – we had coaching clients in San Diego – that are saying, listen, if you have a dog and you need to border it, there's a place in you know, Newport Beach and this guy's got, you know, he'll board your dog for you and this is the whole thing and the whole thing and the whole thing. The, all the different ways you can be of service. But the key thing is, is your mindset has to be in harmony with the fact that our highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people. You will never feel as, fulfill, as fulfilled and happy as you do when you're helping somebody else. It is just a fact. It is written into all of our genetic code. This is not woo-woo or a mindset thing. It's just a fact. So don't fight with that. Put yourself in that position as often as possible. And by the way, that is the best way to overcome call reluctance, as realizing yeah. that when you're calling somebody, I mean, it's the, it's the same mindset, right? Mm-hmm. This is how all this stuff ties together. I had a coaching client a long time ago. His name, first name was Jeff. I don't remember his last name. And he was uh, amiable and analytical, for those of you who have studied DISC. DISC is mostly woo-woo, but just for the sake of explaining, he's not somebody that would normally ever put himself in a position to um, be direct, very indirect person. Um, would not – centers of influence, not calling him. You know, a great expired, not calling him. A for sale by owner, you know, unrepresented owner, not calling him. Just wouldn't make any calls. And so I said this one thing to him, and, he, and it literally made the biggest difference in his business. I told him to write on a piece of paper, I'm here to be of service to you, and move his mindset away from, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen, the feelings that happen. Like if you had to pick up the phone right now and you had to call a center of influence of past clients or a FISBO or an expired or somebody else you've been avoiding calling, what's the, what does your mind fill, fill up with? What does your heart fill up? Fear and trepidation. What am I, how am I going to feel if they say this or if they do this or this other thing happens or this other thing happens, right? Your mind just completely fills with all these ego, sort of lizard brain, fear, must retreat type emotions. Here's the way to battle against it. Write on a piece of paper. Just do it first this way. I am here to be of service to you. And then every time you pick up the phone or you have any communication with anyone ever in your life, by the way, just focus on the fact that you, your job is to make their life better. Your job is to, if nothing else, make them feel better. If nothing else, say an encouraging word to them. If nothing else, show gratitude towards them. If on a sales call, when you're fearful of calling that for sale by owner, it's because you are disconnected with what your purpose on this planet is, which is being of service to other people. You're not calling to get the listing, to get the commission. That's not the mindset. The mindset is, I'm here to help you. You have a help wanted sign in your front yard, not a for sale by owner sign in your front yard, and I'm here to help you because you clearly need your help 
because I can get this house sold for you, you know, and I can statistically sell for a hell of a lot more than you're going to be able to sell it for, alleviate a lot of the, you know, you guys get the point. These, this is the mindset of champions. This is the mindset that when you slowly start to adopt this, or quickly, quickly is, is advised because then you don't have to, then you can, you know, essentially start getting the benefits of having this mindset faster. You don't have to slowly meander in realizing that the highest and truest purpose of, uh, of everyone is to be of service to other people. You can just say, that's it. I get it. That clicks with me. I have a total epiphany from listening to what Tim and Julie just said, and I get why I've been reluctant to call people. I now understand why I've been such a wimp buying buyer leads and such a wimp trying to do things passive because my ego is put, making me so fearful of being rejected. But what if I had the mindset that I'm here to be of service to other people? What if I had the mindset that by picking up the phone and making that what in the past you'd considered a pushy solicitation call, what if I'm now realizing that that call is really about me trying to help that person? You see how the world pivots? And that's the truth, too. That's really what it is. Cool, huh? So, guys, look. Go to timandjulieharris.com. Download those notes. Um, and then use that as your checklist doesn't matter where you are in the country. There's going to be opportunities for you to be of service to your community. Put yourself in a, a leadership position, and once you do that, I'm telling you guys, it is in complete harmony with everything else that is uh, all the tenets of being successful long-term. People will see you with, as a respectful leader in the community, and they'll be in sincere appreciation of the fact that you help them. If there's anything we can do for you, if there's anything we can do to help you, please feel free to communicate directly with us, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And also, please remember to request your free coaching call at FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. Oh, I've had quite a few of you asking about how to become a Harris Certified Coach. That's where literally you own your own course coaching organization. The information about that is on our website, timandjulieharris.com. You literally will essentially have a license um, uh, to have your own coaching organization. It'll, you will be called a Harris Certified Coach, training, certificate, the whole thing. Go to timandjulieharris.com, look at programs, look, read about it, and if you're interested, just fill out that little form, and we'll follow up uh, with a quick call. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Mm-hmm.